Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is the 31st of October, 2019. That means it's Halloween. If Halloween is your bag, I hope you have a fabulous one. It is not my bag at all, but I do wish that you get all the candy you want or your costume works out really well or your kids have a wonderful time and you get all the candy you want later by sealing theirs or whatever makes you happy. I hope this day brings it. And if you, like me, are a non-celebrant of Halloween... A, you'd, you'd be the only other one I know. And B, I hope the day is lovely for you as well, even if it does not revolve around Halloweeny type stuff. On yesterday's episode of the show, I mentioned that at some point I should do a show about what meditation is like for me. And I decided that today was an excellent time to do that. I've been meditating on and off since the year 2000, which means I'm coming up rapidly on 20 years of spending time on a cushion, dot, dot, dot. I say dot, dot, dot because I haven't always been doing the exact same thing when I've been spending time on the cushion. For example, for the first several years, often what I did was count my breath. And then after that, for a while, I just observed my breath. These are things they teach you to do either in books or when you you know, go to a Zen center or another... Well, I actually don't know about other flavors of Buddhism. Theravada, which I have also studied they often do breath observation and i've done body scans during meditation and then i've i've just sat there as well in fact i probably spent most of the time just sitting there if you read books and magazines about meditation which i do you hear all kinds of of results, or not even results, but conditions described for the meditator. Deep meditative states, losing track of time, seeing things, colors, shapes, hearing things. Never once in my 19, almost 20 years of meditating has any of that stuff happened to me. As a matter of fact, I've spent a fair amount of that time wondering if I was not that great a Buddhist or if I was doing it wrong, because all of the stuff I've ever read about meditation in no way resembles my experience as a meditator. As I said, I started out counting my breath, which is essentially one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, three, etc., until you get up to ten and then you start over. Or sometimes you just count back down. But in any case, if you notice yourself counting 54, that means you've lost track of what's happening and you should go back to one. And you might just find yourself starting over and over and over again. Here's a problem I have with that, even though I've done it so many times. I've spent so many years playing and being really absorbed in music that as soon as I start to count something regularly like that, I immediately begin thinking of a melody to go over the top of it. And so it drives me insane because I just think of songs as I'm trying to count my breath. So then I dropped the counting bit and I just did the observation of the breath. But there again, I mean, you tend to breathe in a fairly regular rhythm, especially when you're relaxed like that. And so I just think of songs. Then eventually I decided, well, I'll do what in Japanese Zen is called shikantaza, which means just sitting. 
which is exactly what it sounds like it might be. You get in a posture. There's a bunch of different meditative postures. I prefer hanging by my thumbs. You get in a posture. That's not true. You get in a posture and you just sit there. You don't count your breaths. You don't pay particular attention to your breath or to sounds or to anything. You just sit there. And I've been doing that for a very long time. Which brings me to another thing you always hear about and read about if you read about meditation, which is monkey mind, the idea that your brain is just popping around all the time up there in your skull and making thoughts and telling stories and so on and so forth, and that your job as a meditator, one of your jobs, is to stop following every train of thought. To It's, it's not that you shut your brain off because you can't do that. Well, you can, but it's called death. You don't shut your brain off. You just stop following every rabbit down every hole. And then over time, you kind of achieve this stillness. Once again, I say, I don't think I'm all that great a Buddhist because I that never happens for me. It is true that I don't necessarily follow every thought anymore, but I follow most of them. And even when I'm not really following thoughts, I never get to a point where I'm like, oh, I've achieved a great stillness, even afterwards. Obviously, if you thought, oh, I've achieved a great stillness during, you haven't achieved that great a stillness. But the bell never goes off to say that the meditation period is over. And I think, oh, my gosh, I totally lost track of time. And I had really achieved a great stillness there. Never, ever once. Not ever once. So why do I keep doing it if I have never had any of the experiences that every magazine article and book tells you you're supposed to have. I think I have a couple answers for that. One is, like any good experiment, I do have a control group. Because I started meditating when I was, I guess, about 27 years old. And that meant that in all the years before that, I did not meditate. And I know what that me was like. And then even in the years, the nearly 20 years since I began, I have stopped for periods of time, sometimes long periods of time, and I know what that me is like too. And generally speaking, I think the me who meditates gets a fraction of a second of time extra to deal with the emotions that bubble up, and at least some small chance to avoid reacting to every single emotional spike that happens. So that's pretty good. Then the other thing, and I can't I can't describe this solely to meditation, but I certainly think spending as much time on a cushion just sitting there as I have has helped. I do think there is a level of discernment that is possible when you've spent a lot of time just sitting there looking at your brain. And I think that that discernment, that ability to get to the the heart of what things are, to see the world as it is, has led to, and please take this with 75 bags of salt, has led to a couple of enlightenment experiences. I am not saying, and I don't have an alarm here, but I am not saying that I am an enlightened person. I'm saying that I think a couple times in the last few years, I have had a real glimpse of the true nature of me and my life that has proven extremely helpful. I think that's happened a couple times, and I think that's 
at least to some degree, because I've spent so much time just sitting there looking at my brain. So I record this entire episode to say the following to you. Don't think that meditation isn't worth it or that you're doing it wrong because you're not having the experiences that the magazines and the books and the YouTube videos and all those things tell you you ought to have. Just keep doing it because if for no other reason, it's so rare to spend 20 or 30 or 40 minutes just sitting there not looking at your phone, not reading a book, not listening to a podcast, not riding your bike down a street, none of that stuff, just sitting there and letting your brain do its brainy stuff. It's so rare to get time to just do that, that carving out 20 minutes or 30 minutes a day, or five minutes to start off, to do that is incredibly valuable. And it will remind you that you do, in fact, have a thing up there in your skull that can generate stuff perfectly well on its own without internet access. So I think that's a pretty good reason to meditate. And if over the course of years you have all the experiences I haven't had, perhaps you could send me a note and let me know how you did it. That's the show. You can find this program at abriefchat.com, where, of course, you can become a member and help me turn this from a thing I enjoy doing into the thing I do for my living. I love you. A better world is possible. Please.